0: So welcome back to another episode of the Elite Body and Performance Podcast. Today we are joined by sleep performance coach Gary Ullman, uh, who took a masterclass for me and my team very recently, and it was an absolute game changer surrounding everything to do with sleep, sleep performance, and how we can use sleep to optimize both personal, professional, and our um, physique as well. So we've got Gary on the podcast today. So Gary, welcome. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on board. And I would love for you to just delve into a little bit about you, what got you into kind of like the world of sleep and neuroscience.
1: Awesome, Thanks for having me on, man. It's great to be here. And yeah, like I said, the Mastercast was brilliant. So it's great to be back and chatting to you again. Um, Yeah, let's uh, let's dive in. So my journey's been uh, quite sporadic, shall we say. I um I never anticipated myself moving into sleep as a, as a sleep coach, but I've had my own journeys with sleep. So uh, I started out as a coach in twenty sixteen around that time, um 20, late 2015, 2016. So I was in a corporate job at the time and I was learning about leadership coaching. And then outside of that, I was doing part time stuff in like weekends and evenings because I loved it. I, I kind of just became intoxicated with it fascinated by the concepts of leadership and different personalities and I I wanted to become better at my job so it it worked in nicely and then more and more people started coming to me the more I was going into kind of the mindset personality traits of different team members and how to coach them people were saying oh could you help me with this you know I'm I'm at work I've got a team and you know I want this and all that so I said yeah okay no problem I gave them some pointers and then it started going into their own personal mindset And I was like, I can't really help you with that because it's not something I know. But I I sought it out myself. I went and did some uh, qualifications because I thought, well, if they're asking me for that, then maybe my team could benefit from it as well. So long story short, I did that. Started doing basic stuff um, around mindset, um, nothing really too detailed. And then again, just became really enthralled with it all. And over time, I kind of built up this momentum where I was fully immersed in coaching, specifically around performance and uh, mindset slash neuroscience. So performance, predominantly for a lot of people, is speed, power, strength, um, agility, yeah. things like that. And I'd, I'd had my own fitness journey as well. So that kind of transcended into that. I was doing strongman training at the time. So I wanted to be more powerful and stronger. Yeah. Um, but the one aspect that I wasn't focusing on was recovery. So I, um, I was transferring what I was learning, both from my job and from my own personal training, into my own life and into um, my uh, my clients who I only had, you know, a handful of them at the time that were just paying a small amount of money for me to kind of, ex- you know, get some testimonials and get some experience. Absolutely. And the more I dived into um, performance coaching, the more the aspect of recovery and sleep kept coming up. But I was, I was thinking no one was really talking about this. So I sort of ignored it. Didn't really know anything about sleep. And um, I kept on my own path with strongman strong man and with corporate job. And then eventually I had my own health problems. I became injured. I became fatigued. I gained a ton of weight because my training took a backseat. I got busy in my corporate job, busy in my coaching. Eventually went full-time with the coaching and cut back on the corporate job. But at the time, my health was really, really uh, shot for for me as my own standards. I used to be a really healthy person and it had gone tits up, basically. (laughs) It got really bad. So I was thinking, okay, something needs to change here. And I um, I connected with a chap called Angus Buckle, who is the um, actual owner and founder of the Sleep Performance Coach. And I, I'm his head coach, and I work with him in the business. And um, at the time, I had my own sort of performance-based business in my own name. I believe my website is still out there as well, which I don't use anymore. I haven't used it for about three years. But it's still out there. And then I, I became, again, absolutely fascinated with the topic of sleep and recovery because I've got to get my health back on track. And if this is how I can do it, by sleeping better and recovering better i'm all in so i was having a chat with angus and um he was talking about sleep being the foundation of your health you know you can't you can't perform if you if you haven't got the energy in your body's in a state of dysfunction so learn about it studied about it again as i did with my previous stuff and then we all decided to go all in with it because i had the biggest transformation i've ever had in my life so within the space of about eight nine months I went from 260 pounds, and I'm six foot three, so I'm, I'm a tall guy, but I was still massively overweight. Yeah, and I had I had the frame and the build, but I had a dad bod. I had lots of fat on me because I'd just given up with my strength training, my conditioning, and my body was tanked. And then I got down to 220 pounds, so oh, I lost man. 40 pounds in about eight months, and I just I was like, man, what? It, this is like insane. Like my body just was pushing and pushing and pushing to recover but it didn't have, I didn't have the routine. I didn't have the discipline to do it. And I, I wasn't allowing it to facilitate the recovery. As soon as I did, and I stayed consistent with it, my body recovered. I was eating less because I had, my hormones were regulated. And I didn't even know about it. I was just naturally not feeling as hungry all the time. So obviously the calorie deficit was kind of there, but not in a huge fad diet, crash diet yeah, sort of yeah, way. Yeah. Um, and then overall my body was just burning fat better, You know, everything kind of stabilized, You know. I was, um, you know, my uh, blood sugar was stabilized, my insulin was stabilized and things like that. So my body could actually facilitate um, what it wanted to do finally for the first time in ages. And I woke up one day and I thought, no, I feel pretty good and, you know, jumps in the scales. And I was like, man, I'm 40 pounds down. And I, I, I was, I, you know, when, you, when you're when you your own worst critic, like you don't really see yeah. the changes in great capacity a lot of the time. And I just couldn't believe it. And I thought, yeah, I feel and look better, but I didn't expect it to be a £40 difference. And then I said to Angus one day, I was like, I want to work with you. I'm, like, I'm all in. Like, yeah, cool. he helped me and I wanted to help him. I was like, I'm all in. Like, I've got experience with this. I want to be part of your business. And then two years down the line, you know, we've we built this business to what it is today. Um, I'm absolutely hell-bent on getting the message out with sleep. And, you know, yeah. we have a mission to impact a thousand health coaches and then a hundred thousand lives off the back of that. So if every health coach works with a hundred people, it's a hundred thousand lives. That's what we want to do because we know that the benefit of sleep is there. we've both gone through our journeys and we just, we're just so passionate about it. So yeah, we're in this position now where we, we're doing one-to-one coaching with sleep. We've got loads going on, you know, I'm doing masterclasses helping other health coaches and we've got our stories to back that up as well of, of how we've got to where we are. And it's just such a topic. So it's such an underutilized topic and something that a lot of people don't understand that um, can be one of the biggest game changes that someone will ever experience when they fix their sleep.
0: Yeah, and I think the way yeah. I like to, to kind of describe sleep as well to people is it's the big domino, you know, it's the catalyst to your result. And I mean, a lot of the times when we feel tired, lethargic, and fatigued, our body's reaction is, I need food, I need to fill this void, I need food. So when we're tired, lethargic, and fatigued, automatically then we think right i need to eat more calories i need to eat more food and actually sustaining a deficit when you're lacking and deficient in sleep is extremely hard so one of uh, very often one of the first things that i would do with, with a team member that joins us is if they're struggling to get within and stay within a deficit it's like how's your sleep you know and it's also leaning onto, i guess you know the the idea behind the quality and quantity of sleep as well you know a lot of people think you know for me to have good night's sleep i just need to be in the bed for at least eight hours and i'm good to go but you know when we kind of take a deep dive into REM sleep and so forth you know it it goes a little bit deeper so i'd love to lean on your opinion on the difference between quality and quantity of sleep yeah
1: great question Ray so um people are driven by duration like you said predominantly that they perceive that they can get a great night's sleep just by spending eight or nine hours in bed you know and society says that you need eight hours as an average adult you know you need eight hours but that's all well and good but if you've got a ton of stress going on in your life you're eating too late you're not eating the right foods you're not getting daily sunlight exposure you know there's a ton of list we um list things that we can tick off absolutely but it doesn't have to be a psychotic list. It's just basic foundational things. Like you would, if you are building muscle, you would, you know, you go to the gym at least two or three times a week. You wouldn't just go for a walk once a week and, you know, do a couple of bench yeah, presses yeah, yeah. and hope that things worked out. You know, you, you with sleep, it's the same thing. You would prioritize your sleep alongside everything else. So we can do that with a few basic shifts to improve the quality and the depth of sleep we're getting. So when we do that, such as sunlight in the morning, if we get 10 minutes of sunlight in the morning, it's not um, difficult to do that, even to get outdoors yeah, of in not, yeah. natural light. You don't have to get direct sun. Your body then gets that signal in. So 14 to 16 hours later, you're going to get a release of the sleep hormone melatonin. Absolutely. So that's going to help induce that. So that's the green light for your body to then signal all the other processes throughout the, the daily rhythm that your body goes through. So then if you do that consistently, that's one box ticked. Then you simply have to finish eating sort of three to five hours before bed to allow your body to facilitate sleep hormone from the food that you've had, moving to the right areas of the body, and shutting down the digestive process. So that's another box ticked. Then if we're managing our stress and actually prioritizing days off, as we should as human beings, you know, we need at least one meal for a week. We can't always work, 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 because yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's no room for adaption there our body needs adaption to grow and to change and if we can't facilitate adaption by just stressing the body out all the time our sleep is going to be tanked you know we may be able to get to sleep but the depth and quality of sleep we're getting once we shut our eyes is greatly impacted and that's the difference if we tick those three things and i say stress because stress is the biggest thing i see with the people i work with i work with high performing business owners and athletes and even bodybuilders who stress their body too much in gym and their sleep is greatly affected. So their recovery is affected, you know, and that's a big thing, man. Like you, you have to, I'd rather you got, you know, four solid sleep cycles a night, which is only six hours of sleep, but you're getting four solid cycles. than actually eight hours of broken sleep a night, you get four solid cycles. It's not the recommended number of hours, but you can build on that because you're consistent with it. Your body can get into a better routine and eventually you'll get, you know, seven, seven and a half, eight, or even nine hours if you needed that. Depends if you are an active person. So yeah, that's where we need to look. We need to start small, look at quality and consistency with basic stuff, stuff we can implement. Allow the body to grow and change as we would if we're in a gym. You know, muscles take time to grow. Sleep takes time to implement as well. And then we can look at um, actually improving the quality. So we effectively need less sleep and less time in bed to get the sleep we need. There's no point spending 10 hours in bed if we're only getting 10, seven hours of sleep, then it's broken sleep. You might as well spend eight hours in bed and get seven and a half hours to get more time back into your day. And that's, that's what we do with sleep performance. We compress that window, increase the quality so the person gets more time back in a day and they don't have to worry about um, achieving a certain number of sleep hours each night.
0: Definitely. And I think, you know, where it's kind of like you're buying back your time by actually utilizing the sleep you're getting, you know, and one thing, one mistake that I used to make, and I think this always comes down to the way I like to be of training hard and training smart. So, you know, you can either go, yeah, I'm just gonna get loads of hours in bed and, and hope for the best and th- that'll probably work. But then I remember I used to think to myself, oh, I've got to be up, I've got to be getting stuff done. I can't be sitting sleeping all day. That's no good. I need to be up and, and, and grinding and working hard. And that was me in the mindset of I need to work hard. But then when we kind of look at that kind of the thought process of actually, if I was to work smart, if I was to utilize sleep and therefore utilize my day 10 times better through my productivity, cognitive function and so forth, I get so much more done in so much less time. And it's exactly the same thing that obviously, you know, the business owners and uh, and elite professionals that you work with and very similar to the guys and girls that we work with as well. It's training smart and utilizing something like sleep, which is so, so, so important that always overlooked and you know we listen to people like you know your kobe bryant and stuff saying you know i sleep four hours a night and i am i'm in the gym at 4am and then i'm back in at this time it's like yeah it's great but if we think a little bit smarter we're not all kobe bryant right so it's just making sure, sure yeah. we're, we're thinking long term <laughs> so from from your side what would you say is a direct impact for between sleep and weight loss you know because we, we kind of look into how you know when we're fatigued, when we're exhausted, we then look into increasing calories and so forth. But from your end, what would you say are the direct impacts on body composition be it muscle gain, weight loss, whatever it may not be, and sleep? Mm, you know, good question. Again, the direct impact is uh, from a fat loss point of view is
1: your insulin sensitivity is actually easier to control for your body. So yes. it's just easier for it to regulate. And um, because you're tired, as well, when you're in a sleep deprivation state, your hunger hormones are looking for uh, that release to um, allow you to consume energy. So your brain is going, okay, we need energy here. You know, the hypothalamus in the center of the brain drives the master clock and the sleep-wake cycle for the, for the human body. So when that's in a state of dysfunction, the body is then sending signals to the stomach and you know, increasing hunger hormone levels by up to 35%, you know, give or take. In, uh, leptin and ghrelin are then driving that appetite, yeah, yeah, and that urge for us to consume more food. So, for, for those of you listening, it's like if you go on a night out and you you spend you know twelve hours in bed because you you know you've been drinking, you wake up think oh I spent you know long time in bed I'm um, I've slept great that night, but you're still waking up feeling lethargic and tired. It's because you know your sleep quality has been affected by the alcohol you've consumed. As a result of that, different hormones are being released to allow you to consume energy to offset the effect of the night you had. So when we're sleep deprived as well, it's a similar state to actually being hung over. So we're running on um, a lower capacity. The body's trying to conserve energy. You know, our brain is pr- primarily running subconsciously and not cognitively because it doesn't have the energy yeah. to allow logical thinking. So we make poorer choices with food as well. That's a big, big thing. Subconsciously, we're driven by our old habits. So if we're trying to break those habits, they were used to you know, going to McDonald's because it's five minutes down the road, it's going to be very difficult to resist that temptation. Of because course. subconsciously, your mind's like, I know there's an energy source five minutes down the road from here. I can get some carbs, some sugar and some fat, and we need it now. So you're going to go, all right, I'm just going to get in the car and do that. You're not going to go, hang on a minute, think logically about this. I'm yeah. going to go cook a healthy meal. I'm going to cook a fresh chicken burger and some homemade sweet potato fries because it's easier. So I still want a burger and chips, but it's, you know, it's it's easy for me to stay home and do that. No, your brain's going to go, let's go get the fast food. We need energy now. So there's that cycle. And then the calorie deficit side of it as well with the, the hunger hormones, you're you're driven to eat more because your brain needs energy and your body needs energy. So high sugar, high carb, high fat food, we can get quick energy from that. We can get a glucose spike, you know, all the uh, blood sugar increases that will give us quick, short, sharp bursts of energy to keep us functioning through the day. Subconsciously, you're doing this and you just, like I said, because it's subconscious, you don't even know it's happening. If you're like Absolutely. me, I was unaware of how much weight I was losing because my hunger hormones were regulated, so I was naturally consuming less food, but I didn't realise it. And it's the same if you're consuming more food. You don't realise it yeah, yeah. because your hunger hormones are there telling you to eat more, even though you've had your caloric intake for the day because you're so sleep-deprived, you don't feel that, that satiating feeling of feeling full And your appetite doesn't disappear, even though you've had your calories, because your body still needs energy. So it's a vicious cycle. The less sleep we have, the higher the response of the hunger hormones, the more food we are likely to consume.
0: Yeah, 100%. And that hunger hormone ghrelin is um, is something with sleep as well. I think a lot of nutrition is psychological as well. You know, so when we do feel sleep-deprived and and lethargic and hungry and tired, that does really boost our our, our hunger. And it's hard to, you know, especially with nutrition being psychological, sometimes when we're hungry, it's quite easy to ride a wave, you know, surf the urge to then eat. But then when you are so sleep-deprived and tired, surfing that urge and having the discipline to ride out a hunger wave becomes near impossible and I mean I I know every single person listening to this has experienced this at some point you and I definitely have as well and you know we've there's been times we've been tired and lethargic knowing I know this is a bit of a hunger wave I've eaten 20 minutes so I know this will pass but the actual willpower and discipline to let that pass it goes out the window and that's when it becomes a little bit of a like a downward side um so where you go, right, you know what, I'll be bad with nutrition today, and then that has a knock-on effect to, is there even point me getting my steps in, I've messed up with nutrition, I'll go again tomorrow, and that's where it becomes that really bad cycle, and then momentum dips, and for those who listen to this postcard off, uh, podcast often, we talk about how important the power of momentum is. And the momentum goes, we have a tongue twist of that one. And all of a sudden, you know, everything's going in the opposite direction to what we're now trying to achieve. So one thing I think would be really important to kind of delve into a little bit as well is obviously with yourself working with a lot of, you know, career professionals as well, business owners, and kind of looking at the impact of sleep, not just from body composition, but within the workplace as well. So what kind of effect would sleep now have on productivity, cognitive function, and maybe a little bit as to why?
1: Mm, you have a great question. Again, the way I describe it is uh, the analogy I use to kind of start this conversation with someone who thinks I don't need sleep. You know, I can function for five hours and I'm okay. It's like, great okay, great. So, if I had a 300 mile journey to do in my car, I have two options. I can fill the tank and I can drive fast, or I can drive normally and I'll get there in good time. Or I can half fill the tank and I can drive slower and increase my fuel economy. You know, which way which they think they're doing. So, you know, they believe they're more efficient if they're doing it at a slower pace. And then they can, you know, get there. But they'll get there sort of two or three hours later than me because I've primed my body to do it. So if I reverse engineer it and go, I will plan my schedule around my sleep and not my sleep around my schedule. So what most people do as well as from a productivity standpoint is they wake up, they go, oh man, I've got so much to do today. And they fill the time they have with the stuff they have to do. And at the end of the day, They've worked 16 hours or 15 hours, whatever it is. They've you know, had a really productive day today. And it only leaves them a small window for nutrition and sleep at the end for dinner and sleep and unwinding. So, what they need to do is block that sleeping window in and use the rest of the time to actually work because then the mind is focused on the lack of time or their perception of lack of time. And uh, they get more done because they've got the energy to do it as well. So, they'll forget to the end of the day, they've worked 10 hours instead of 16. And they're like, man, I've done everything. They haven't try to fill the time and become busy as a sake of as a result having all of that time at their disposal the human brain works in a crazy way where if we have a crazy amount of time we'll naturally fill it we won't try and do it in two hours you know we've got eight hours yeah, and then yeah. go oh just chill out for six hours we know we've got eight hours so it will take eight hours you know there's i can't remember the name of the the, the law of that there's a a law uh, title the law of something for that um, particular thing i was just describing that theory but um yeah, so from a productivity point of view, there's that um, way of working faster because you have more energy. You're more um, liable to, um, so you're more likely to uh, work more logically because your brain neocortex is engaged. So you can think creatively and solve problems. You don't have the brain fog, and the lack of creativity. Again, you're not driven subconsciously and you're you're not falling into patterns. You can actually develop new patterns and, and problem solve if something goes wrong. So you, you're in a state of adaption again. You can go, okay, this isn't working. Instead of knowing what you know and sticking with that, you go, right, how can I solve this problem? I've got the energy to do it. How can I solve it? So you, again, if you're struggling to solve a problem, you're likely to just go, oh, I'll just do it this way anyway, or just give up and go, I'll work on something else. So that makes you more um, lack it makes you lack productivity because you have to come back to it later on because you pushed it to one side and you want to focus on something easier rather than trying to logically think about it and put the energy you have into that project. And people are more likely as well to always do the easier thing because they don't have the energy. So they're more um, likely to be distracted, go on social media because it's easy. They want a the dopamine hit or something like that. Their productivity yeah, yeah, yeah. lacks. you know. So I've seen it in the workplace where... I, I fell into this myself where you'd be doing something, you'd be doing a task in Excel or whatever for um, my manager role that I was in. And I'd be like, oh man, I'm knackered. I'm just going to go and look at stuff on in the internet. They end up yeah. scouring, you, scouring YouTube and scouring Amazon.com got for you know, yeah. an hour. And you're like, oh, wow, an hour's gone by. You know, And your brain's brains just naturally yeah, distracted because it it's be an there. easy thing. They're, oh, I need to get this done again. And then you've got less time to do it because you've been distracted. Yeah. And you know, all hell breaks loose. So that's a very long-winded explanation. But I'm sure someone out there listening to this will go actually yeah that does happen to me like, i get distracted really easily i um i go on instagram all the time like even though my, my phone's out of reach i'll go and get it because you know i need a break or i feel like i need a break and i i used to be that guy as well so we can just stay more disciplined and uh, we can actually just power through and solve problems if we're in a uh, a better state with our sleep
0: Absolutely. And I, I was kind of very similar to that as well. Um, and it's around COVID time, I became quite interested with the idea of sleep uh, when I read Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep. And, you know, it's quite a generic book, as we spoke about in the masterclass every day. It's very generic. And I suppose it's a great book if you're just interested about kind of like the science side of things, but not necessarily yeah. a specific solution. But I found it quite interesting just to understand the brain a little bit better, the uh, the idea behind sleep, why we do it and so forth. So I became quite interested in it. And that, that's when I started to optimise my sleep. And it's only in hindsight now, when I look back on the days, that I felt super productive. I thought, right, I've had a great day today. I was productive. I was in the office for 10 hours a day, 12 hours. I smashed it all out. But in hindsight, I'm filling that time and dragging tasks out. A task that should take me 30 minutes was taking me 90 maybe 120, because I'm just dragging tasks out. And it's only in hindsight I look back and go, right, okay, and I've realized that what used to take me two hours, I can get down to 30 minutes now. And to an even higher standard, because I'm thinking smart, not hard. And again, it's, it's that idea of when you are trying to thrive within the workplace or build the ultimate body that you, that you possibly can, it's, again, training smart, it's optimizing your sleep. And for, for those who are now listening to this podcast and now have an understanding of the importance I would like to delve into how they can now improve their sleep. So I guess it'd be quite good to start with sleep environment, temperature, mattress, these kind of things. What kind of of part do they play?
1: Yeah, good question, Reese. The basics are uh, light level and um, temperature, like you said. So temperature is a big thing because it's um, linked to our circadian rhythm. So our body naturally wants to dip in temperature. So when we see darkness, melatonin level starts to rise. We start to feel sleepy. You know, if anyone's in a dark room, they'll naturally they'll start to feel sleepy unless they've got a massive bright light in front of them, like you're in a cinema or something like that. But if you're just in a dark room, you're going to start to feel sleepy because melatonin will increase. However, if it's a warm room, your sleep quality is going to be disturbed because the body sees darkness, temperature decreases. But then if it's warm, the temperature is not going to go deep enough to facilitate uh, depth of sleep. Yeah. So uh, 16 to 18 Celsius for the air temperature is where we need to look. Or for Americans, 60 to 65 Fahrenheit. Most people's room temperature is around 23. So if you're in the winter time and you've got the heating on, trying to keep it warm, you've got a really thick duvet, you'll still get to sleep. But you are potentially sabotaging the sleep quality because your body's going, I can't get, I can't cool down fast enough to get into the stages of deep sleep. So you can kind of fluctuate between really small um, tiny amounts of deep sleep back into light sleep rather than the longer duration of deep sleep where the restorative processes specifically linked to muscle growth are uh, are happening. So temperature is a big one. And like no one likes sleeping in a hot room. That's why it's so difficult uh, to sleep in yeah. summer, but everyone likes sleeping in winter because it's cooler outside. Absolutely. You know, you can be warm in a duvet, but have the, have the window open in winter to allow the cold air to come in. The body will sleep better as a result of that. Now, light level is massive because it's the biggest driver with our circadian rhythm. So light in the morning, darkness in the evening. If we've got light creeping in, even if we're wearing an eye mask, guys, the body will still sense light on the skin. Now it's like going out in the sun. We don't have to look at the sun to get a tan. Our body will pick up on the light rays that we're getting And it will change and adapt as a result of the light rays it's getting. It's the same if we have light creeping into our bedroom. We don't have to look at that light or have our eyes open. The body will sense that light and it will know because of the light rays it's getting that it's not necessarily time to fall asleep yet, even if it's creeping in. Or if you do get to sleep, your body is more likely and susceptible to wake-ups and disturbances. So it's important that the room is as dark and as cool as possible for environment. Then we need to make sure that obviously comfort is a factor. So, you know, mattresses and things like that and yeah. breathable sheets and stuff like that. They kind of go hand in hand with what I'm saying. There's no point in doing any of that and having the best mattress in the world, the best cooling pajamas and sheets and everything else in the eye mask if we're not taking care of the temperature and the light level in the room first. So maximize light in the morning, get outside or open the blinds as much as you can uh, and then minimize it in the evening. You know, and then, you know, that's a big, big part of sleep quality uh, taken care of
0: yeah that's really interesting um i've done a lot of my, my research and see but actually having a light and the actual skin itself kind of ha- having a, a part to play is something i wasn't actually aware of that's really really interesting something yeah that... we've
1: got ph- photosensitive cells in the skin yeah, of you of know it's, it's why it's skin different. changes yeah. color yeah. Yeah. yeah why
0: it why gets tan a when, the sun, when the sun hits it yeah no that's really interesting and i think one thing that probably helped everyone uh myself very much so included is obviously you know the half-life of caffeine blocking the release of melatonin to then also directly impact our sleep. And I think I am definitely one who falls short of this one. I obviously know the effects of caffeine and melatonin and sleep, but sometimes that's something. So I think it'd be interesting, you know, when people understand why it's easier for them to make a sensible decision to change. So what is the idea behind caffeine? Why does it block melatonin? And how can caffeine at, you know, three, four in the afternoon, it doesn't seem massive, actually have a huge impact you know, over the next six to eight to twenty-four hours. Yeah, so um it's not
1: it's not melatonin, it's adenosine that it blocks. But what That's it does it. is adenosine is linked to melatonin. So yeah. Uh, yeah adenosine adenosine is um a byproduct of adenosine triphosphate. you know that Reese because you know a lot yeah. of PTs know about ATP and how it works. So adenosine is a byproduct of energy. So for anyone listening, if you go to the gym and you move around, adenosine uh, is a byproduct of the energy that you've expended because ATP has been released from the movement you've created and so on and so forth. But even if you're not working out, ATP will still be released. The body will take adenosine and go, thank you very much. I'll take that and I'll put that in the brain because that builds my sleep pressure. So that builds the urge to sleep. Now, the timing of when that happens is the all circadian rhythm, which we were talking about earlier on, and the master clocks. If those two are hand in hand and they're running parallel, ideally our sleep's going to be fantastic. We're feeling sleepy at the right time. Depth of sleep is good. But what caffeine likes to do, for those of you who love your coffee, including me, I've actually had one before this podcast, but I delayed it this morning, (laughs) as always. But I love having one or two cups a day, you know, max. And then I'll have them early enough to, you know, allow my body to, to get rid of it or remove a lot of it as you were saying, Reese, with the half-life of caffeine. But caffeine will stay in the system for a long time. And um, even if we feel like it's not having an effect on our energy or in you know our focus in any way, it's still doing something in the brain, and it's blocking that adenosine. Now, the reason it will block the adenosine, which will then have a knock-on effect with the timing of the release of melatonin and everything else in the night, is because they are uh, almost identical in a molecular structure. So if we get them under uh, a microscope or analyze them in a lab, the molecules, the molecules sorry, of coffee um, or caffeine or anything uh, caffeine-based and adenosine are almost identical. They're just off by one molecule each. So the structure of, of caffeine can actually bind to the same receptors in the brain as adenosine, okay. which is incredible. So then the adenosine just sits on the surface and wants to bind to the receptors, but it can't because caffeine's there. So yeah. caffeine's just blocking it, so it just chills out. It's like, okay, and then you, you don't feel tired. That's what caffeine does. It offsets that feeling of fatigue. But when it wears off, if we've had a buildup of adenosine from the day, so we wake up at 7 a.m. and we have coffee straight away. Then we have another one at 10, another at 12, another at two, another at four, right? And then we've not felt sleepy all day. By the time that wears off at four o'clock, all of that adenosine that's built up throughout the day is just going to hit us at once. We're not going to have a gradual feeling. Yeah. Then your body has to rapidly process that adenosine and you suddenly crash and you go, oh, man, I feel so fatigued. Yeah, All of yeah. a sudden, like you get that real big dip and you go, oh, yeah, I need to go to bed. But then when you go to bed at, say, seven o'clock, so you feel like you've had a crazy day or whatever. and You're just lying in bed chilling out. You can't fall asleep because nothing else has happened in that day because your body then is trying to process everything so fast. It's just like, I can't do this. It's not It's not right for me. It's not optimal. So melatonin release is not timed properly. Yeah, I've mean. yeah, yeah. had a feeling of sleepiness, but the Canadian rhythm is off, so it's not released melatonin correctly. Uh, serotonin, uh, dopamine, everything that makes you feel relaxed, you know, is is misaligned. Uh, tryptophan, all of those amino acids and everything else that links to sleep is just like, what the hell is going on? You know, we need some kind of stability here. So that's a very extreme example, but a lot of people do go through that with that. Um, lack of awareness of how caffeine impacts you they think cutting it off at four o'clock in the afternoon or you know even two o'clock in the afternoon is optimal but it depends on the timing of when you've had your coffee timing is everything with caffeine because of the half-life it's uh it's up to um 16 hours for one cup of coffee depending on your sensitivity to caffeine so this one cup of coffee that i've had at nine o'clock but just before this podcast can stay in my system for up to 16 hours, depending on my genetic sensitivity, which is insane. It doesn't mean it's gonna affect my sleep for 16 hours, but it means that my body can take up to 16 hours to fully get rid of every molecule of caffeine in that cup cup of coffee. Now, if you're having five cups a day, which most people do because they're sleep deprived, that's insane how long that's gonna stay. You're just in this cycle of caffeine, caffeine, caffeine. That's without having any soda or uh, sugary drinks. Without having any chocolate or any other form of caffeine, you know there's caffeine in a lot of things, even drugs. If you have paracetamol, there's caffeine in that. Yeah. You have to think about these things. If you pop two paracetamol before bed, it's likely that's going to affect your sleep, yeah. even if you've got a even if you've got a cold or a headache and your body wants to rest. So you have to think about these things, guys. And that's how caffeine can really disrupt your sleeping patterns.
0: Yeah, and it's almost like people try to find a solution, but find a problem in the solution. You know, so they think, I'm tired, I need more caffeine. And no matter what time of day it is, it's like, yeah, you're tired because all you're taking is caffeine and it's directly impacting your sleep. And I think that's a huge point. because I think every single person listening to this podcast likely impacts their sleep through caffeine. I know I do, and I know very recently, especially since I've started really started to track my sleep and stuff, I've started to realise my REM sleep was really low. And I think caffeine for me was yes. the first thing I thought, right, let me get more discipline with my caffeine. And as a direct byproduct, I find an increase massively. And um, so I think that's one that probably everybody could gain a bit of value from. And I'd love to know your opinion on this as well. One thing that I love to do with the people that we work with in regards to like an evening routine to help support sleep is set uh, like a reverse alarm. So like an alarm that goes off of an evening which is kind of that reminder to put your phone down so we don't have that blue light um, and just kind of have your bedtime routine, evening routine and start to kind of dewind. What's your opinion on evening routines? Do you think that's effective? Anything that you would do different or that you do at this moment in time? Yeah, I think it's one of the most overlooked aspects
1: of sleep. Um, if you go online and you, you sort of look for a routine, predominantly it's driven towards morning. You know, you go on YouTube and you'll see the millionaire's morning routine or, or whatever yeah. it is. And loads of people try and copy that. You know, you're, you're up at 5am, you're doing meditation, you're doing cold showers, you're doing all sorts of stuff, yeah. you know, going for a, going for a workout at 6am, you know what I mean. And then there's not really much focus on evening routine, unless you're specifically looking for a source of meditation or, or um, calming music or something like that to listen to in the evening. So I think if we're living in a society that's fast paced as we are, we do need to prioritise disconnecting and um, moving into a restful state more. Um, most people want to start their day like sprinting out the blocks, but they don't think about the recovery side of it and the actual winding down for sleep. So then that makes it harder to get up in the morning and facilitate this, this kind of sprinting out the blocks because they don't have the energy or they push through it and then they become you know cranky during the day and their performance suffers. So we have to keep, in my opinion, both routines simple but lean more towards a focus on an evening routine. Of course. So an evening routine would, would be disconnecting from screens as a basic thing, you know, sleep hygiene 101, disconnecting from any stimulating light. But then we need to focus on stress as well, because we've had a productive day, busy day with work. How do we wind down? If we've got kids, how do we factor in some time where we put the kids to bed for actually to allow us to calm down, even if it's 20 minutes? Yeah. Rather than thinking lying there or watching TV thinking, Oh, I've got so much to do tomorrow. How do we kind of factor that in? The kids are in bed. I need to put myself first, allow my mind to calm down, stuff like that. So, you know, we can do things like breath work and journaling and meditation and address these subconscious thought patterns that we have and eliminate overthinking and sort of bring everything to the forefront of our mind to actually allow us to be in a better problem-solving state for the following day, you know, writing a to-do list and stuff like that. So many people don't do basic stuff like that and they lie in bed and think, yeah, of course. Oh, so much to do. I need to, I need to get up at this time. I need to do this. Just write it down. And I guarantee you, once you write it down and make it tangible, you'll see that it's really not that hard to accomplish it But in your mind. Your mind's tired and fatigued. So it's going to blow things out of proportion and it's going to create scenarios that might not even happen. So bring some context and awareness to it. Now that's your evening routine kind of taken care of. I'd really focus on light level guys and stress. That's it. I -hmm. mentioned earlier about dinner, you know, three to five hours before bed, you know, tick that box as well if you can. But routine is all about light and stress calm yourself down, then move into your environment that's optimal for you. And you know, you'll know you be in a good place if you sleep. Now, in the morning, just keep things simple. Get your sunlight, set your circadian rhythm for the day. Like I said, 14 to 16 hours late, it's likely that melatonin will come in. So set your, sunlight, um, sorry, set your circadian rhythm with sunlight. Uh, I recommend always a litre of water in the first hour of waking because that gets the brain and body hydrated. You know all about hydration and how it affects the, the brain and the body. And then just reflecting your to-do list from the night before. That's it. You don't need to do cold showers and breath work and stretching and all of this stuff. Keep it simple. You don't want to start your day with a massive load of stress because something in your morning routine hasn't happened that day. Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, crap, this is going to be a bad day because something hasn't happened in my morning routine. So keep it simple. Light water, reflecting your to-do list, and just go and smash your day. That's one of the easiest things that I, I would say to people.
0: Yeah. And I would always say as well, that the morning routine starts the evening before, you know, if your exactly morning routine is starting in the morning, you're already one step behind. So morning routines always start the evening prior. And it's kind of funny, I actually had a conversation with someone um, the other day and I like, oh, what's your morning routine? You must, you know, do your cold showers and breathing and you must do your journaling. And I went, mate, I just wake up, go get a few steps in, listen to a podcast whilst I hydrate. and then sit down my book for half an hour, shower, get to go for some time. You know, and I get there, I get in nice and early and I'm productive and I get things done. I don't need to cold shower for five minutes. And I, I get, if you want to do gratitude and stuff, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, you don't awesome. need to meditate for an hour, do your breath work, do your stretching, get in a cold shower. If you want to, by all means. But, you know, we see things online and think, oh, that per- I, I've got to do that as well. It's finding what works yeah. for you. And what works for me is getting my things done really, really quick and get straight to the office and just getting things done. So the last bit on this i like to lean into is obviously supplements. You've got your supplements like your ashwagandhas and so forth. What kind of supplements would you recommend? And I know this is obviously not their B-O-N-E-N-D-O. It's just that extra, you know, two to five percent that might just support a tiny bit. But what kind of supplements would you recommend to help optimize sleep? Yeah, this is the cherry on the top. So um, this is uh, something
1: that loads of people ask me about. i put out stuff on my stories before on polls and it's like, oh, what supplements do you recommend? Or what's best for me? And it's like, Look, if your diet's crap and your, your stress is awful, no supplement on earth is <laughs> gonna help you. However, if you if you are healthy, relatively healthy, and like you said, Reese, you want that extra two to five percent. Vitamin D and magnesium are by far my yeah. first ones I always go to. Now, vit D, even if you live in a hot country, doesn't mean you have a good level of vitamin D in your system yeah. because you can go outside and you get more exposure to the sun than someone living in the UK or you know, Scotland or something like that. But if you're spending a lot of time as well indoors, even though your room is well lit or your light is, level is good, doesn't mean your body's absorbing that vitamin D as much as it should be. So always look into vitamin D if you're having a problem with sleep because a lot of the time that will link to um, lack of light that we're getting. Yeah. But also it can link to, because um, it's a steroid hormone as well, it actually trans um, translates into um, sleep quality in regards to REM sleep and uh, deep sleep so if you want to improve that look at vitamin d as well as a supplement once you've obviously ticked everything else now magnesium there's around 82 percent of americans are deficient in magnesium which is huge because it's linked to four to six hundred cellular processes in the body yeah now it's um the type of magnesium that we look into for sleep quality is uh, glycinate and eight. there's various types um three and eight is usually pushed by andrew huberman big shout out to andrew huberman he's a legend i love him But he talks about three and eight a lot and the link between the blood-brain barrier. So the blood-brain barrier is effectively where every sort of nutrient from the body goes to kind of get into the brain to to help with sleep. Now, magnesium three and eight and vitamin D can help facilitate that because they move nutrients from the the gut and from the body into the brain. So um, that's why when we have vitamin D, just going back to that quickly, from the sun, we get a large dose of it. We feel naturally relaxed and we feel happier because it's a mood-boosting hormone. So it's the same if we have it internally from a supplement, you know, we can regulate our mood and our our stress level better. Magnesium also helps regulate stress and uh, magnesium can help kind of um, eliminate any sort of um, imbalance in the nervous system over time. It's highly unlikely that it will have an impact straight away. But if we are at a good level with our magnesium, our nervous system is more balanced than someone who is heavily deficient in it. Now, I say balance because there's two sides. So there's the sympathetic and parasympathetic side. If we're leaning more towards the sympathetic side, that's the fight, flight, or freeze side. So we're more likely to experience stressful situations. Now, magnesium can kind of help bring you back into a better, more balanced state, but only if you're prioritizing other stuff. It's not going to do it on its own. It just can help kind of nudge you a little bit more towards that side. So Mag and Vit D, and then you can look at things uh, like herbal remedies, like you mentioned, ashwagandha, Really good for stress as well, but only if it's a pure source. Yeah. Uh, valerian roots, um, 5-HTP, even melatonin can be used in certain scenarios, but not all the time. You know, For example, if you're traveling a lot for business on planes, changing time zones, melatonin can help you induce quality sleep yeah, whilst you're traveling. Yeah, yeah. But there's, other, there's loads of kind of rabbit holes we can go down. If we bring it back to basics, vit, d, mag all day, and then everything else that I mentioned can uh, link in with that nicely.
0: Absolutely. And I think there are two supplements that anybody should have. Vitamin D, magnesium, omega-3, just so, so important, just for genuine health. And I think it's I think vitamin is, you know, we want to try and get it through through food as much as possible, but we are deficient in a lot of vitamins. A hell of a lot. I think it's always important to do like a, a natural test to see which one specifically you're deficient in but most people it's not always like the the first thing that they're able to do or, or think about so just making sure you're covering your bases with these types of supplements to support sleep is great but only as like it's not the solution it, it, it aids the solution but the most important things is optimizing your sleep naturally and having supplements is something that you can look into once you've ticked off those basics so the last thing i love to lean on is just how are the best ways to track sleep for people that are listening so obviously i know like you and i would use a aura ring um so that would obviously be one what would you say else is good like a fitbit root a band and what would you say is the, the best practices? yes the best practice for any kind of novice
1: out there with their sleep is just to simply write it down first before we even move into technology so, I, I offer my clients a four week sleep journal. Um, Reese, you know that because I, I gave it to you as well <laughs> yeah. uh, to help with your clients. So, yeah, for anyone out there, just grab, literally grab a notepad and pen and go, What time did I go to bed? What time did I wake up? Uh, what time was my last meal? And how was my stress that day? Now, then in the morning, answer these questions. Go, How do I feel on a scale of 1 to 10? Just general feeling. Like people go, oh, I feel like crap or I feel great. How do you generally feel scale of 1 to 10? How do I feel mentally and how do I feel physically? They're two different things. And they're also different to your overall feeling because we're not talking about, you know, if you feel bloated or something like that. How do I feel physically and mentally? Yeah, I feel pretty sharp, say 7 out of 10. Physically, I feel weak. You know, maybe your deep sleep's been affected and your body's not had time to, you know, recover from the gym. Maybe I'll give that four or five. Now, if you're consistent with this over time, you're bringing an awareness to it and you're not looking at technology. Technology only comes after that kind of initial yeah, of uh, novice thought awareness. And once we have awareness around sleep, we know how certain things influence our sleep. So we can go into the O-rings and the whoop bands and the Fitbits. Now, to touch on trackers, I'd always recommend an O-ring. O-ring by far for me is the, is the most advanced sleep tracker out there. There's loads of studies done on it. It's not 100% accurate. No of course, tracker yeah, is. Of course. But it's the most accurate one out there. Um, and then woot band is very good, more pushed towards uh, physical and strain and recovery for workouts. Aura is predominantly a sleep tracker, very little touching on workouts, but um bitbit bit as well is kind of in between, pretty good. The the chart four model is good. But again, they're they're sort of 60, 70, 80% accurate max. Yeah. So they'll give you a really good awareness of how your body is and how your sleep is. But predominantly, if we start tracking it manually, we're physically writing stuff down. We're more aware of how we feel. And um, that's a great way to kind of get into some good patterns and bring an awareness to our, our body. Because so many people wake up and just go out their day. They don't actually t- take time to connect with how they feel. So once we do that, we know if we're going to bed at 11 till 6 and we only get in seven hours, maybe we need to get, you know, 11 till 6.30 or we need to go to half 10 till 6 or whatever it is. And just experiment with that and see how we feel. Move timing around, move, move your nutritional timing around. Uh, if you've had a particularly stressful day, bring awareness to that and go, oh, yeah, tomorrow's going to be better. You know, you don't need to worry about it so much. It was just, just the one off, something went wrong. And then, uh, you know, that's um, a great way of building traction. And then if you wanted to move into technology, then the three I'd recommend are very good for that as well.
0: Absolutely. And I do think as well, actually physically writing it down and connecting with how you feel is so important, because yeah, like you say, it brings so much more awareness to the problem and or solution, because a lot of the times we'll get like an aura ring, pull it on and go, right, that's my seat cover. I've got an aura ring now. What you mean I'm not going to sleep? I've got an aura ring. Of course I'm going to sleep. So it's quite easy to just look at that and go, oh, that'd be fine, but not actually collecting the data looking at how we feel because like you say they they give you a ballpark but they're never going to be a hundred percent so actually waking up in the morning how do I feel this morning you know did you wake up on the wrong side of bed did you have a good night's sleep how sharp do you feel how physically and mentally sharp do you feel and I think that's really important because then you're actually looking into right how do I feel am I on the right track am I not as opposed to just looking at the phone and hoping that it's giving you an idea over what it is and not actually being fully present and aware to, to the problem but from my end Gary a huge thank you for joining us on the podcast today it was absolutely invaluable and I think a lot of our listeners will take this away and implement them this evening um if not make sure you're, you're setting yourself a little note or reminder to do so because this is absolutely outstanding and the feedback as well from the uh, masterclass and the people who watched it back as well was absolutely incredible and they've already started using the resources that you sent over as well so a huge thank you for my end where can the listeners find you? Uh, yeah, my main channel is Instagram, where we we actually connected
1: Reese. So it's just it's Gary J. Allman. Um, surname is A L L M A N, all one word. Uh, Facebook as well, but I use Instagram primarily so people can check out my content. There's loads of free resources on there, guys. And then if you want to ask me questions, just comment below on a post or whatever, and I'm more than happy to help you out. Uh, website's coming soon, we're actually updating it. So uh, well, I won't put that in yet because it's not live. So we, we're moving into a new brand new website uh, with loads of our courses on there. But yeah, my main channel personally is Instagram.
0: Guys, check him out because there's so much value, even just in his content on a day-to-day basis, posting up advice and value is absolutely invaluable. So everything you're going to be listening to on today's podcast, if you find it valuable, the same things will be over on his social media as well. So Gary, a huge thank you for my end and we'll see you guys in the next episode.